everybody, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in and all the details of the characters, places, concepts, and things from that galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, and I'm here with my fellow gallery viewer, Ross. Mac, it's great to be back today. We are talking Dark Troopers. We are talking Mandalorians. We are talking ships formerly named Slave One. We are talking <laughs> the fire everything spray. related to Chapter 16 of The Mandalorian titled The Rescue. We are talking about the Season 2 finale of The Mandalorian, along mm-hmm. with a little sprinkling of the gallery episode that goes along with yeah, it. We, we watched the gallery episode that just recently came out where they sort of went through that and uh, figured it's time to give our thoughts. Yes, it is, and we're very excited to do so. Mac, I get the feeling we're going to have a lot to say. Let's just get into it. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you can be a Star Wars fan and not have seen the end of Mandalorian two by like what are, what are we like, like eight months, nine months? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're coming up on a year of when the season started. But if you haven't, Luke Skywalker. Okay, I've ruined it for you. If somehow you ended up here without that, man. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the sort of off the rails wild finale to season two of the Mandalorian. Yeah, uh, we we all we all had a lot of speculation on where season mm-hmm. two would end up. You know, we we uh, we we ended um, episode seven. You know, right before this, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, whatever I can't remember the chapter number at this point. Maybe chapter fifteen, and uh, and uh, you know we're okay. They know where Moff Gideon is, right? They ha- they have a plan. They they have the coordinates. They're going for him, right? Oh, How yeah. are they going to get there? How are they going to fight their way on? Yeah, well, once Gru goes stolen by the Dark Troopers at the end of the last episode, it was yeah. so fun to see, like, oh, we're going on the offensive. Yeah, absolutely. Going for the throat. And we're just starting off. We're here. We're into it. You know, we yes. jump right into the episode, right? They're coming out shooting. They're uh, trying, you know, Boba Fett is is playing his little ploy here mm-hmm. to uh, get them to sneak on board in a shuttle. And uh, they managed to get on. And, and the plan here is essentially to create a distraction, right? We yeah. see uh, the whole, uh, the group of uh, the group of uh, awesome uh, insurgents, we'll call them, right? Yeah. We've got uh, Fennec Shan and Cara Dune and uh, Bo-Katan and uh, the heck's the we other one? We got a these? crew. The heck's the other one's name? Cosca Reeves. The other one. What's the other one? Wolves? Wolves? Wolves isn't around. I don't think he's... Yeah, Wolves is busy. Something. Anyway, uh, so we've got this uh, this episode set up here where it's a really, really simple episode. There isn't much to it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the big moments here. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about some of the behind the scenes stuff, as we were saying earlier. So, uh, Mac, let's talk about first off just the fight through the bridge, right? Entering the ship and the shuttle, you know, yep. all the space battle stuff and uh, fighting to the bridge. You know, let's talk about that first before we talk about the other side of what's going on. So. Some great action here. Oh, yeah. I mean, they definitely... They, it's a finale, so they've pulled out the stops, and they're trying to make the action as interesting as possible. 
And um, one thing uh, at the time you're listening to is Strangchi has just come out. And it has reminded me again of what the key ingredient of action that sometimes gets lost in the modern age, but like sense of place. I love the fact that during these fights, you like there's that cargo room that they're blasting through yes. and you know what the space feels like, which is great because later on there's another action. Actually, there's another action beat in pretty much every single place they go through, whether it's that bridge that has the two... The two like open, um, you know, force field areas. So you can, in I don't know why you would set it this way, but it's set to if you fall down, it just pushes you out to space <laughs> rather than stopping you, which you think would be the point of having force fields there. Well, there's got to be a bridge for a reason, right? There's got to be a bridge. I mean, and there can't be a. Hand- I, you know what I think it is? That's where the dark troopers go in and out, or at least one of the spots. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, I, and, and that's I, probably what it's for. And it, like it's a bridge without you know handrails because Classic. again, this is Star Wars, so there are no yeah. worker safety protocols. Sure, not, sure. Especially not during the Empire. No, not at all. And hey, the budget's way lower now. I was gonna say. I mean, if you fall out there, that's okay. There's another kid who's signing up and being conscripted on some planet. <laughs> Yes, that's true. That's true. There's but always like, more to serve. So and if not, hey, we'll we'll duck. So yeah, so we go from like the 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 crash into the yeah. um into the what do they call it? Did they call it just the launch port? Launch tube, I think. Launch tube. Yeah, I think Yeah, because it's where TIE fighters are getting lined up and then being shot down the yeah. length of the ship. Um, and I love the one Imperial who's just, yeah, you know, like, yo, you're blocking the launch tube. What are you doing? What are you and then like way too late realizes like exactly what they're doing poor guy just gets shot they had no i mean you would think at least gideon would be suspicious and would warn them yeah. right like wouldn't they all be on guard now no well gideon remember gideon's a good imperial officer so he remembers that every single person's expendable <laughs> yeah but sir this is the remnant we can't conscript as much as we used to the empire will rise again it'll be fine now that we had the child. Okay. So uh, our group reaches the bridge, takes control of the ship, and realizes Gideon isn't there. Right. And the fun thing about it is their job is to steal the ship and take control of it. And meanwhile, we see um, our hero, the Mandalorian, is kind of held back, letting them kind of break everything up because his mm-hmm. job is to get Grogu. Mm-hmm. So he sneaks through the ship, and the first thing he does is tries to a uh, essentially dispense of the dark troopers. They are being they have been activated, mm-hmm. and he is trying to send them out into space. But one manages to get through the door before he's able to stop them, and a serious fight ensues. Did you expect it to be so difficult for him to take down one dark trooper? Were you expecting that? Because by the time we got here, we still don't know where this episode is going. At this point, we assume there's just going to be a big finale fight right. between the heroes and the villains. The villains being, you know, the dark troopers and Moff Gideon and the heroes just being what we've seen up till now. Right. Some fight, you know, maybe Grogu will do something spectacular like he did at the end of, you know, season one. Uh, maybe there'll be some sort of sacrifice like there was with IG-11. You know, like we're expecting a big moment like that, I think. I don't think oh, yeah, anyone and- at this point was expecting any sort of cameo. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I guess probably the expectations I had was um, them taking the ship and dealing a heavy blow to Gideon's forces. Mm-hmm. And Gideon's still surviving, though? I expected that. And, and I expected Din to have, like, a good fight with him and then kind of realize that, like, I, well, to be honest, I thought Gideon would then represent, like, oh, maybe he has some dark side powers and that... Okay, no, only the child's going to be able to actually, like, help him fight Gideon because 
Mandalorians, you know, Din's a guy, not mm-hmm. a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that's where we we're going to go. And I was so pleased that we didn't. Now, you said, like, were you surprised that it was so hard to take down a dark trooper? Yes, I've played dark forces. I did expect that. And I was really surprised how much of a threat they let those things be. Well, when you look at it in hindsight with what we get at the end, it makes sense as why they wanted to make them appear so threatening and powerful, right? To show that power disparity between a, a Jedi well, and, just to and, show and, that and, you know, but, but. That, that, that Din barely survives an encounter with one of these. And yes. there's a room of 30 of them yes. that just got blown out to space. Right. So here now it's more about just raising the stakes. But in this moment, him blowing them out to space, I'm not thinking they're coming back. I'm thinking, right. well, this was the fight with the Dark Trooper. It was awesome. It was everything, you know, it, it looked good. It felt good. Uh, there was some great stuff. You know, we saw the whistling birds be not effective against it. We saw the flamethrower of him, you know, trying to burn through it. So I really, really love that we get those really hands-on and fighting moments. It wasn't just shooting them with blasters and, you know, having them be stronger stormtroopers. Uh, and this is also the type of violence that I love from comic books and Star Wars of it makes it really bone crunching without actually being uh gory or and brutal yeah like just when he's using his piston arm the the dark trooper and he's just pounding oh, into the helmet yeah. you're like well that's beskar it's going to be fine i mean the head inside there's not going to be but like like the helmet's not going to give way cuz it's a it's you know a magic space helmet right but to hear that bell ringing sound every time it connected it sells so much of how brutal this attack is without having it actually be anything oh, that's absolutely. like, um, you know, uh, viscerally like causing your nervous system to go into shock or mm-hmm. like goose, you know, for your hairs to stand up on your back of the neck. It's not, it's not, it's not gruesome. It's just brutal. Yes, absolutely. It <laughs> brutal is a really fair way to put it. I think <laughs> it is, um, it's painful to watch, but it ends really, really spectacularly. You know, he uses yeah. the Beskar uh, Pike to uh, to behead the uh, the uh, yeah. the Dark Trooper, and uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, the special effects look great all throughout. Yeah, uh, the Dark and, Troopers are great to see. I love it, and very well realized for what is obviously a full CGI character. They did a really good job of grounding that yeah. thing. I would love to see if they have any physical mock-ups or like a head or a you know arm or whatever. I mean, they'd have to have something for eye lines and stuff. I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, especially well, that could saying, just be a tennis. Ball. Well, actually, I take that back. They probably have a person in a green screen suit on stilts because yeah. some of that fight choreography they must have fought you against have something. Have. Yeah, you can't just um, you can't make it look that good without it. Yeah, no, we need to see that. Okay, gallery next episode. <laughs> we know what we need. Um, okay, so after the fight with the dark trooper. Oh, and the one thing I was oh, going to yeah. say is. Like you said, we think those 30 Dark Troopers got blown into space. They're done. And I think at this exact moment in the show, we're like wiping our forehead going, whew. Yes. if one of those was doing that, I mean, if that room There's had gotten out. There's no way they could take all of those down. So to me, that was the resolution of like, well, since they clearly can't fight them. And since that is clearly the only option. Like my only other thought was like, well, maybe they'll blow up the ship since the goal is to get the ship. Maybe that's where they'll fail because I expected there to be some sort of failure here. I expected something right. to go wrong. And I was like, well, maybe they just won't get the ship. Maybe they'll have to blow it up to take the dark troopers out. Maybe once again, someone will sacrifice themselves to blow up the ship, you know, whatever. But like right, right. at most, that was kind of where my head was at with it. If they did come back. There was no way they could possibly fight them in a, in an actual fight, right? Right. And so after this, we move on to uh, the cell, and uh, you know, Din is able to find Grogu there, 
and uh, Moff Gideon with the Darksaber. So the triumphant return of the Darksaber for Yay. a lot of fans. I mean, you know, we've seen it in spurts here. Obviously, at the end of season one, we saw it. Uh, you know, uh, he lit it up when he was, uh, you know, teasing Grogu with it earlier. So we've seen it a few times. Uh, but this is the first time we're going to really see it in action. And seeing it drawn here as the doors open, I think a lot of people got real excited real quick right well, mac you're the you're the huge dark saber fan here more than me it's so. a mandalorian lightsaber right, and it's right. got a black core that doesn't even work in physics but who cares i like the fact that it's just like a like a blade like the the it's shape like a of it. That, that is my favorite part of it for sure well, like you, the handle design and all that yeah when you look at it it's very much made like a katana Absolutely. it has like one leading edge i mean it's a lightsaber so technically any side of it will cut through you but yeah um it, it yeah it's much Whereas the lightsabers are sabers. They're more yeah. fencing foil kind of stuff or or what their fight choreography base is like kendo, like mm-hmm. um, katana practice sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is much more of a like a cutlass, much more of a, a swinging chopping blade. Yeah. Um, and I love that Gideon's down here because we see Gideon sort of react to like the launch tube getting hit, but then we don't really know what happens to him. And it's brilliant. He's like, oh, I know right where they're going to go. I'm going to go down there right now. <laughs> I know where this is all headed, you know, like, um, and I think it just shows again how brilliant it is. And I love his negotiation here is just very like, well, I know exactly where I'm standing and what pieces on the board I have and what, uh, what I, I, I recognize what threat you actually are to me, which is not nothing. I'm not, I'm not the classic and arrogant Imperial. Like I realize that like, you're a problem, and I don't want to actually deal with you. Right. If I just kill this child right now, you will most likely kill me. Like, right. there is... I can't stop that from happening just because I have the child prisoner. Right. Right. So, like, we see that right away, obviously. That that great um, push and pull of, like, what will happen here, obviously. Like, will Grogu do something to get them out of this? That's kind of where I'm at at the moment. And then when he... little tiny binder clips. Well, you know, he could still move his hands. Like, uh, th- those things would not stop... Uh, a Jedi master. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so at this point, Gideon gives his little speech about, I only wanted the blood. Like, you can take them and go. Just just, just leave. Like, I just wanted the blood. It's cool, man. Just go. I got what I want. You got what yeah. you want. Everybody wins. And because of what you just said, Mac, about like him wanting to live through this, him wanting to fight another day, like, I believed it. Like, I honestly thought, oh, maybe this is how it will end, and maybe there's something else that's going to happen or whatever. Like, maybe this will lead into something new, like, mm-hmm. um, and maybe Gideon will just be back next year. Like, you know, that's that's what it'll be. And then when he, you know, at, about a second later, as soon as you see him move behind his back, you kind of like, okay, now, like, the music well, starts to change and you understand what's about to happen. I, but I feel... there was a brief second where I did believe it. Well, I think Gideon's playing from uh, Palpatine's playbook. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, if you don't move into a position where I can attack you, then yeah, you take the child. I'll use the tracker I put into him to find him again later. And uh, I have the blood, so we're good. Oh, you did step in a way that I can get behind you. Oh, well, then I'm going to kill you. I have the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely takes a swing. And My favorite you know, part about this is every direction I win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my favorite thing about Star Wars is how um, a light bump from uh, staff or a, uh, a different light bump from another staff um, can cause a jetpack to go haywire. But a uh, slash from a darksaber, nothing. Well... 
if you have your stuff all in good maintenance, <laughs> I I don't know, man. Like jetpacks are like nothing. Horribly in. Okay, so hypothetically, right? Let's just like okay. Han Solo hits the booster or whatever. Well, actually, he doesn't. He hits the back of it. We see where it's damaged, like because we see where it's been patched. So how does that staff, like, if he had hit the rocket booster, like maybe that part is in Beskar. Maybe that part is just good old Dunium or whatever. I don't know. Maybe, but like, come on. If that can survive, maybe here's what happens. Yeah. Okay. So first off. He hits him with a, uh, is it the Force Pike or is it one of the Vibros? I, I can't remember exactly what weapon Han has, but I'm pretty sure it's a powered weapon. It's not just a stick. Mm, I, I think don't it's, remember. I think it's either a Force Pike or it's a, a Vibroglaive. Um, well, let's put it this way. I'm, I mean, too nerdy. In the moment, like in 1983 film, it's just a stick. Well, like you, whatever it's meant to oh, be, sure. Oh, sure, sure, But sure, it sure. is very much just like one of the, like the... Not a gaffy stick, but it, it I'm pretty sure it's similar it's to that. Yeah, I think it is a pike, yeah. Um, but not a pike well, the species, a pike a pike. Yeah, no, it's pike with a Y, not pike with an I. Um, I guess the whole thing about it is, like, you making me just think about it, like, because I don't think I've ever thought about, like, well, what do you think happened with the rocket pack? Well, Han Solo hit him, and plot device happened, and Boba Fett's in the bottom of the Sarlacc. Yeah. I didn't think about the mechanics of it. And then 30 years Here, later, here's what I'd like to think. John Favreau fixed it. George Lucas can't do anything right. Here's how I would feel is he hits the missile, like the internal components of the rocket missile on the back, causing uh, that to fire without releasing from the jet pack, which causes the entire pack to fire sure. off. I'll go with it. Let's do it. I love it. Okay. I love it. Perfect. And then it kind of makes sense. That can be your head cannon too, listeners. Well, because the other thing about it is like, because Dins doesn't have that. Right. Dins is just the jet pack. Fair. So Fair. that's some head cannon. That Fair. functionally works right. right now. Someone reach out to Dave. Someone uh, write a handwritten letter to George. Ask him what his thoughts are on this. Let, let's get let's so, get them all together. Someone FaceTime Pablo. My friend who I'm watching through uh, Bad Batch with. Yeah. We also watch like Star Trek and we got into our own little internal joke about like, well, how's it happening? And it's like Star Trek. So we talk about, oh, the Dramaton particles were reaching saturation in the room. That's why this happened. And we kept using, like, Dramaton particles as just explaining that, like, these dramatic, like, presence of things, this scientific phenomenon makes the drama go up. And I'm like, that's kind of what's happening in Star Wars. It's just like, well, what did it happen? Well, because if Din's rocket pack went off in this room, it'd be real bad for him. So that's not good storytelling. So it doesn't happen. So Moff Gideon is slicing away yes. with the Darksaber. And an amazing fight pursues. A fight that feels very realistic. That feels very much like these two actors were doing it. Yeah. Uh, even though I, who knows if they were, uh, uh, it very much feels like, okay, you've got like this 50 something, 60 something, you know, admiral or whatever of the Imperial Navy. Governor. And you've got this 40 something year old Mandalorian bounty hunter who is probably in the prime of his, oh, you yeah. know, of his physical shape. Like, you know, you're a guy and you're like late forties who's been in shape your whole life like that. That's probably your, your peak, you know, for the most part, maybe you're a little weary, but, um, so this guy here, like, they have a fight that feels – it's not drawn out. It's very realistic. There's no, you and know, got, mustache twirling. It's just a good, solid – And it's got the right bout. amount of weight because Gideon's whole thing is Gideon obviously has trained in fencing. He knows how to use this saber fairly well. But he's also an older man who's not used to uh, doing his own dirty work. So there's yes. definitely a fatigue that's happening after, uh, you know, a couple seconds into the fight of like, oh, I'm not as in shape as this dude. 
Definitely. And then Din is is doing all this stuff, but he's like, I like guns. This uh, spear, I know how to use it, but like, I haven't trained for every moment of my life for a spear. I've trained every moment of my life for other weapons. Absolutely. And, and not only that, but like, as good as a Beskar spear is here, I mean, it's probably like the second best thing you can hope for. I mean, after a lightsaber, like it is know, nice. It doesn't get cut in half when it, 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 it's quite nice, but like, it's not exactly, like, you can't just bump someone in the leg with that and have it hurt them. Like you really have to stab them with it or like swing it like a bat. real like, baseball like, bat. Like, yeah. Like, like it's well, not as easy to deliver a hurtful blow with that either. Other than the pointy end, it's a non-lethal weapon. It's yeah. a bludgeoning weapon, yeah. not a, um, not a omnidirectional cutting tool like the lightsaber. Yeah, is. the lightsaber that's just a small little flick can, uh, you know, give you a can cut right through. Burn. Yeah. So anyway, it's a great fight, and obviously our hero comes out on top, returning Gideon and Grogu to the bridge where Bo-Katan is none too happy. Yeah. And this is where we get the scene that like. Oh, this is why there's still time left in the episode. There is another conflict coming we didn't yeah. see coming. There is about to be a fight between Cosca Reeves, Bo-Katan against the other three. Like, yeah. that's what I was expecting. They were going to basically have a two versus well, three brawl in the middle of this ship. Because we sum it up of Gideon comes in in chains, basically yeah. being brought in by Din. And Din has the Darksaber, which instantly Bo-Katan has opinions about this. And Din's like, no, here, I don't know, take it. And Gideon's like, oh, she can't take it. It has to be one in combat. And Din like looks down and is like, no, I give it to you. I yield, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I super don't want this thing. I don't I love care. that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because it just shows like how serious Din is about what his goals are. It's and just also like, it's... dividing the two Mandalorians pretty well. Right. Because like Bo-Katan has already sort of mocked Din for like, Oh, you're a child of the watch, never showing your face. <laughs> what hokey traditions you lead to. And then now she's like, but I have our own hokey traditions, which is the Darksaber must be earned in combat. You know what? I didn't ever think about that it, in that way, but that's a very good point, especially because of the muddliness of um, the history of the Darksaber throughout Star Wars. You know, yeah. there are big chunks of it there were, were missing, and there's big chunks of Bo-Katan's story that were missing. Um so, so there's a lot we'll learn, I'm sure, in Book of Boba Fett and Season sure. 3 of Mando and probably in Bad Batch or some other animated show at some point. I'm sure but, we'll get the Siege of, you know, we'll get more Mandalore. So it's going to happen. But this is where we get sort of our big surprise, our big twist. And I don't think uh, I, yeah, don't, I don't think anyone expected this bow thing to not be resolved here. In well, this yeah, because because it, it definitely looks like, oh, no, Bo-Katan's going to have to fight him. How does this all send? And that's also, I think, the important read why reason why Reeves is there because Reeves is like yeah it's like Bo-Katan's one of you know inner circle they probably wouldn't say anything if Bo-Katan took the saber and just took it from Din and no one asked because there's no one else here to see it but in Bo-Katan's mind like she'll always know and she'll never respect me as the Mandalore if if I don't take it by the tradition and so you just got this this just tension but luckily, things get worse, so they don't have to deal with that right now. <laughs> yes, I think we were all sort of expecting that fight to happen, and then all of a sudden, the alarm starts going off, and, you know, I think it's Fennec that shouts out, we're being boarded. And we learn that the Dark Troopers are back, and they mean business. They're coming for the bridge, they're starting to break down the door, we see that awesome arm of theirs again, where they're just pounding through boom, it. Boom, boom. 
boom, just like uh, oh, jackhammering. So, so good. The sound effects here are great. They're terrifying. Ooh. Everybody's bracing for the fight. And it's great because they're basically trapped up in the bridge. And at yeah, this no point, what they've done, again, is they're setting the stage of we see where they're coming in. We see the areas we've already been through in this ship. So we can feel the approach of how close they're getting when they come up through the turbo lift and they start coming towards the door. We know, oh, that's the door to the bridge. They're in trouble. And then the door, which is this giant, you know, five inch thick piece of Durasteel is starting to bend in because well, we saw what had happened in Din's head. And now we're going like, dude, that guy probably still has a concussion. I mean, <laughs> if they can do this to a big door. There's a reason when he takes his helmet off, he looks so misty eyed. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> yeah, he's, 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 he's swimming a little bit. Yeah, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. So we, yeah. we get to the stakes. And I love that even like Gideon, who's trying to gloat through this, is also kind of like, man, I hope the uh, friend and foe identifiers on these things are working right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's like, well, if he gives his big speech. Well, it'll only be me and the child left. So might as well just surrender now. And they're like, no. He's like, it's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as the dark troopers are about, about to break down the door, we start to see a, a notice, you know, a, an ear twitch from Grogu. Uh, we hear the sensors start to blink. And all of a sudden, Cara Dune points out how little help one X-Wing will be. As a, a X-Wing with particular markings, if you were really looking, slides yeah. past the window, and then we see it land in the cargo bay. And <sighs> at this point, I think we're all just kind of like, there's no way, right? Well, like, I mean, I. so when I saw it, like, instantly you know, like, you're like, okay, this is clearly what they're alluding to. Right. Like, you see a white and blue astromech, like you said, you see the red markings, you see a black cloaked guy with like a gloved hand come out. Like, <laughs> yeah, what'd you see that? I guess it is. But like, I, no, let's no, just no. talk about. Like, uh, so the, the whole reason we yeah. do this episode is because of the recent gallery episode that's just about the last right. episode. And one of the comments I thought they put there was they're like, when they were like testing it and looking at it, like it didn't matter how obvious they made it, people still were not ready to believe that this is, of course, who it is. Yes. And I love that. I love that. I love that the entire time as I'm watching the green lightsaber and, you know, we're, we're watching him go through and cut through the dark troopers and oh, use so the good. force. I mean, when he uses the force to just crush one. Yeah. Like that is the. Well, this is what that we, is just such a satisfying moment, obviously. At the time I watched it, I was like, this is the light side inversion of that Vader scene in Rogue One. This is unlimited force power being used to deal with a situation that is honestly terrifying to normal people, but to the person, Darth Vader or Luke in this case, there's no threat. He has this matter so in hand. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He's just hacking and slashing and so using like, the force and uh, in ways we have not seen him use it yet. And so it's you great. said, when you get to the point where he's crushing it, you kind of almost think like, oh, well, why is he crushing it? Oh, boredom. He's already cut like them in every way he could think of. So now he's just like almost <laughs> having fun with it because these things pose zero threat to him. And also he, you know, how often is it that he gets to just go to town on essentially training droids for him? Yeah, just open up. You know, it's probably not very often, especially this is not that far removed. You know, he hasn't been a Jedi. I mean, he has at this point six years, but, you know, still not all that long in the grand scheme of things. And he, he's probably fought a lot, but he's probably not fought against another lightsaber since Vader. He's probably been doing a lot more you meditation know? and study yeah. and reading books and, and physical training, but not yeah. 
this kind of conflict. Yeah. So, I mean, other than maybe some more advanced training probes he's found, you know, throughout his travels, he probably doesn't do much fighting. I mean, you know, like this. And I just, I love how it all ends up because, again, we see him on the monitors in the bridge cutting through all this stuff, which is great because, again, it gives us that, is this what's happening? Like, you get that that sort of separation and and it keeps cutting back between him and what they're doing on the bridge. And everyone on the bridge is like... This guy's uh, on our side, right? Because like, if if he's doing this and he gets to us, we're dead. Um, yeah. and and then it just finales with the great like, there's the what eight of them or whatever that are lined up at the bridge door, and the turbo lift comes up, and, and they then all just, just turn. Yeah, Ugh. there's that great thing of just them going. I think like, that's actually earlier. I can't remember, but, but it's it great. Like, You're the threat, not them, not yeah. the kids in the bridge. Who cares about them now? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely love it. And then, like, you just, you're standing there, you're waiting for the elevator buttons, you know, they're, they're dinging, they're moving up. And then just, like, he's just there. Like, there's no trick to it. It's just like when they came out of the, um, there was a moment, oh, gosh, episode three, I think it was, mm-hmm. where uh, the Mandalorians are taking that freighter. Oh, and right. they just the door just opens. They're just there, like they just rush out and fire. Like, there's no trick to it. There's no, yeah, no, it's just, there, just there's it's no just real. For, it's just, yeah, it's like, that, like, when you see him just come out with the lightsaber already activated, and he just brings it up and takes the first one out, and just the way he moves, like, I do wish there maybe had been a little bit of special effects to give him, like, Jedi speed, to give him, like, almost a little bit of a dash. I like, I think that saying, would have been really cool, really, but it I is I hear what just it saying, is. but I think it just shows how much he doesn't have to open up to kill these things. Yeah, that's all and fair, that's, but, and like... Then, and then, I mean, the big thing about it is, like, and... In a great way, they set up that the Dark Troopers are extremely sturdy, but nothing but Beskar is sturdy enough to survive a lightsaber cut. So most of the reason these things aren't all that threatening to him is because he can cleanly cut through them in like one good blow. Right. Um, And I think that's I think that's important. Like like had these been droidicas with personal shields, this would be a problem. You know, but they're not because they're not designed as anti-Jedi weapons. They're not designed as like siege weapons. They're just designed to crush military forces. Right. And a Jedi and Jedi and droids, as we learned in the Clone Wars, are natural enemies. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, they are. Um, Well, what we didn't see is General Grievous's head has actually been wired into that ship and he is now part of their nav computer. It's just like, uh, oh, yeah. (laughs) So anyway, um. So, so so we get to the grand reveal. I, I he, mean, he enters the door. Everyone in the room is like yeah, tense. Most of them have their guns drawn because, again, they don't know what we already know, that this is Luke Skywalker and he's here to help them. But he's been so terribly mysterious to this point. It makes sense that they're all tense, especially yeah. considering what this guy just did. And then he throws back the hood and then all illusions that like, well, what if it's not Luke? No, of course it was Luke. We yeah. should have known the whole time it was Luke. And I love the slow hooking his lightsaber on his belt. I know that's a silly thing, but it's something we haven't seen a Jedi do since the prequels. Like, put a lightsaber back on <laughs> their belt. Like, he puts it on and then just, like, folds his hand in front of him. Like, like again, just like, like all right, the training's over. It, it's Hi, friends. so great. And so when the hood goes back, what are your first thoughts? Because my initial reaction, besides the fact that I'm already, like, bawling because Luke Skywalker's here, right? Right. Besides that, like... Oh, that's a different actor. Like, that was my first thought, was that was an actor who looks like a young Mark Hamill who is playing a Luke Skywalker. Well, after everything that happened with Grandma Tarkin and Leia, my first reaction was like, oh, they did it. They're they're making a young Luke Skywalker. Okay. 
and I don't know if I thought it was a recast or not. I want to say that I, I think it was, I think I knew it was a digital effect because even watching the gallery show last night, I'm like, the one thing that throws me off, which is not, if I was the VFX artist, I would have made the same choice. But in the end result, the one thing that always comes off as odd is because he's just this matte black, you know, cloak on, on everything. Like he looks really pale. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's the correct lighting for the scene. In the sense of, like, if I was a VFX artist trying to make this happen, I'd probably make the same choice. But I think in the end, he looks a little a, a little too pale for me to, yeah. to, to read him as just an actor there. Especially yeah. when you see, like, what is his name? Max, the body double. Yeah. And I'm like, no offense. I don't know what Max sounds like, but Max could have got you 90% of the way just him. <laughs> Like he looked a lot like Mark Hamill. You do the His hair eyes and the makeup and yeah. a little post production. Yeah, no, I agree. So my, we'll get into we'll, get we'll into talk about the that. Yeah, I want to talk more about the feeling of it here first before we before we dive into the but, gallery stuff a little bit. So my kind of initial thought was before at first I thought it was a recast, and then once you hear the voice, as soon as I heard yeah. the voice, I'm like okay, well that is definitely Mark Hamill's voice. Right. And come to learn later. They adjusted that too. Well, but definitely I was like, oh, that is Mark Hamill's voice. So if that is Mark Hamill's voice, and then you start to see all the over the shoulder shots they're doing, I'm like, okay, so this clearly is not a person. So that was the first thing. Sure. So then I'm like, okay, well, if this is not a recast, this doesn't look the best. It looks good. It looks like a human, sure. but it doesn't look like episode six Mark Hamill. Right. Now we'll talk about maybe why that is here in a minute. Yeah. But that was my first reaction and my biggest surprise to it once I realized what it was, that it was the same, you know, Tarkin thing that we'd seen. Come to learn it's different. But you get what I'm saying. Like, sure. Like, I thought it was what we had seen before. Once I did, I was like, oh, I'm a little surprised. It doesn't look a little bit more. To me, it was more like I thought along the jawline. I thought that well, was kind of where it seemed a little strange. Let, let's finish our episode recap because I yeah. think the rest of our show is going to be talking about that effect yeah. and what it could have been, what it yeah. was. Yeah. Well, I kind of am because what what I'm talking about here is like the feeling in the moment, right? Right. So like in that moment, it was kind of frustrating because that's what I was thinking about. Like, oh, what like what's going on here? Like, why didn't they just recast him? Like, wouldn't it have been better to have you've got you've got Alden and then you'd have whoever your young Luke is and then we could go and make franchises Till the sun comes home, you know, like, like, right. let's just, let's just make it happen. Let's stop pretending and not let another Han actor age out of playing Han, like young Han. Like, like, I'm just, I'm tired of the pitter pattering around. So like, I think if it's... Luke is going to come back in season three and be, you know, in four episodes and be digital the whole time, fine. But let's just recast and stop with this nonsense. I, again, I, I'm going to save that for ramifications of what all this means, but like, I, for me, I bought it in the moment enough that, yeah. like, yes, I am processing the effect and going, like, nah, that doesn't look exactly like... Nah, nah. Like, yeah. I was nitpicking, but I, I honestly, I think I was still in shock enough of, like, oh, it's actually Luke. Oh. Oh, he's going to pick up Grogu. He received that signal from the lapis last episode. Din, what are you going to... This is your space child. You're going to yeah. give up your space child? How can you be a space dad if you don't have a space child? Yes. A lot of my emotion about Luke, and I don't want to make it sound like it was all negative in the moment. It was very, very overwhelmingly positive, but I did have some uh, some thoughts that kind of took me out of the moment. But as soon as we got to that, oh, 
okay, they're past their little, he's past the little speech of, you know, he'll need training, whatever. I'll give my life to protect the child, which I loved. I thought was all very Luke, yeah. all very Jedi. He's never met this child before, but clearly they already have a connection and a bond because of what has happened. The, the oxygen gets sucked out of the room of the, well, he doesn't want to go with you. He wants your permission. Yeah. It's like, oh, space dad, you're going to have to give up your space child. Like, it's, it's the right... Oh my god, I'm having empty nest problems. <laughs> like, oh yeah. It, it it is far and away, I think, like the most emotionally prominent moment of the whole show. It is um when he takes the helmet off, and one, he didn't have the mustache still, and that was very disappointing. We just saw him an episode ago <laughs> without the helmet. He had a great mustache. So to not have the mustache, I don't know if it was because of special effects with the child being that close to his face or whatever the decision was just, I didn't know. I just, after he did that Imperial face thing, he was like, Oh God, I haven't looked at my face in a while. How this thing's gotten long. I need to get rid of that. <laughs> well, I was disappointed because I thought the mustache was certainly the right move, but uh, beyond that, um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is incredibly powerful stuff, right? Him taking the helmet off, well, the child touching his face, you know, his reaction as he does. So, I mean, this is stuff that this is what's important about Star Wars. Having this emotional reaction and these emotional ties to these characters is what makes, I think, this stuff important. And I think to me, the most important thing of like when it makes that turn for the scene and that Luke's kind of like, like a, a harbinger of ill tidings in the sense of like, he's taking the child away from Din for all the right reasons, for all the right reasons in the universe. But now like Luke is sort of like, what I liked is it turned Luke into this mysterious hermit, like, um, Obi-Wan, like, how do you trust this guy? I don't Who understands who Jedi is like, I know who Luke Skywalker is, but none of the people in this room, other than maybe Cara Dune, really know much about this person as a actual flesh and blood person. Yeah. Right. Maybe as a legend. But, you know, even then, like it's been six years, like I, who knows what thing people believe at the moment. But what I like is it makes Luke into right, right, right. He's a guest star here. He is not going to take over the show. He is not the most important character in this room. This is still Din Djarin's story, and it's all about him. And this is just one thread of it. Whereas when you bring one of those big A-list stars, you always risk the fact of, well, do you still care about our main character, or have you flipped over to your fan favorite character? Is that who you care about in this scene anymore? And I think they did a really good job of keeping Luke mysterious and aloof and someone who like didn't doesn't want to just trust implicitly. Right. I think that's all good to make this have stakes. And again, make it that this is about the Mandalorian. Luke is just here to facilitate that story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we see uh, Grogu and R2 have a little bit of a relationship here, budding. <laughs> and as Luke picks him up very cutely as he lifts his arms up, you know, and, uh, takes him away we have the great moment of them in the elevator or the lift before the doors close and um then we get the kind of the stagnant shot on the bridge of everybody just sort of looking defeated um right and then someone going like next one's a one-seater is he just gonna sit in his lap the whole time oh he's like, small he's... enough yeah for sure yeah i know but like you know aren't there controls and, and... Think about what that child does with a little like ball on the ship. Like he's gonna be that. It's gonna be a journey. Home <laughs> well, for Luke. Luke Luke runs a tighter ship. Luke Luke will allow no childish behavior. <laughs> I'm sure that's it. Yeah, I just see a Jedi going like, uh, no, stop messing with that. You know what? Force sleep. 
zonks him out. Let's practice our meditation, Grogu. <laughs> All right. So anyway, that I, is I the end of the episode. Thought. Yeah. Uh, not no. I I think we were all expecting, or I was. I don't want to say we all. I was expecting a failure, a, a downer. Um, and obviously we well, got a, a a downbeat, if you want to call it that. I, I mean, would say it's a downbeat because it really makes the show in question. I I think. In a good way. What yeah. Did you, what did you end up thinking about season two? Way. You're like, what the hell is season three going to be? Yes, that <laughs> was the best part about it. And like, you know, when they, f- so we should also mention, you know, obviously after this, there's one other thing, the Book of Boba Fett they announced at the end of that episode. Sure. Um, But we'll get to that in a second. So, you know, they've already talked about, you know, each of these is a chapter, right? That's at the beginning of every episode. And the fact that it has been one continuous story, parts one through 16 throughout the first two seasons, right? right. So that is the first thing to, to keep in mind here when we when we look at the end of this story. Because as we get into the gallery stuff here, the very first thing I want to call out, because I think we're just going to kind of jump around and sure. talk about some of our key points. We're not going to go through the whole episode. Um, is it, It's actually said, I kind of have it here as a quote. I think it was by Dave. Um culmination of two season arc of the child mm-hmm. right so culmination to me sounds very final like this child is not going to be back anytime soon but at the same time we have din saying i will see you again you know we will reunite so kind of my theory about all of this is the mandalorian i think especially because of the announcement of the book of boba fett right the book of boba fett you can't name it the book announce it at the end of season two of the Mandalorian, have it come out when season three of the Mandalorian would typically be coming out right? and have it not be a part of the whole Mandalorian show. So I very much expect what we're going to see in the future is more things like this. So if after, you know, we get season three of the Mandalorian and that's chapter 17, presumably, right? Mm-hmm. So we get chapter 17 through, I don't know, 23, 24, whatever, right? We could have then one more season, or we could have, I don't know, the the book of Cosca Reeves, whatever it is, right? Like, this show does not have to necessarily follow just one Mandalorian. There can be more spinoffs. And the other possibility is the show could end. Man- the Mandalorian show could end at the end of the next season, because it's the only one I think we know for sure is happening. Do we know a season four is happening for sure? No, but then again, we didn't know a season three was happening until season two was done. No, so. we did. Cause when they renewed season after season one, they announced season two and three. Oh, I so we that. did, but oh. the, the point is, and, and it doesn't really ultimately matter because if they want to, there will be, it won't well, they be also a, have a se- Well, and the other ironic thing is they have a season four that was announced because book of Boba Fett is a functionally a, well, another season of this same production. Yes. Cause it's the same people making it it'll be very interesting to see how they fit it in and what all that is but the point i wanted to make essentially was you this show could end and the characters can keep right on into another show where din can reunite with grogu you know we could see luke and grogu in another show potentially before we see grogu back with din there are a lot of possibilities here it's not necessarily that this story is going to continue in the Mandal under the mandalorian banner oh. but could could possibly continue somewhere else interesting so something to think I about when i hear that word about it that culmination way. well is something worth thinking okay, about. Well, okay, let's close one thread here. So at the end of the show, there is Java's palace and Bib yeah. Fortuna's holding court there on the incredibly oversized throne that he doesn't fit in because he's not a hut. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we have basically 
people getting shot in the entryway, like coming down the stairs into the palace. And here comes Fennec Shan and Boba Fett. And Bib Fortuna's like, oh, Boba, good to see... Dead. Um, and Boba Fett pushes him out of the way and apparently is ready to take over Jabba's, hut, you know, syndicate. Yes. Whatever remnants are left that Bib Fortuna has yes. been watching over. Um, and that just ends with coming December, the book of Boba Fett. And I think everyone lost their minds because, again, another secret they kept under their hat really, really, really well. I mean, we didn't know if Boba Fett was really going to come back until we sort of got the guy in the desert who's like, well, that's him, right? Is he coming back or is that just like a nod of like he's gone to live in the desert and he's fine? Yeah. Like, they, they did such a good job of hiding so many secrets. Yeah. And that is my favorite thing, I think, about the man. Now that we've gotten uh, the culmination, as, as they put it, the culmination of an arc, whatever arc that is, right? We've right. gotten season one felt like it ended on a cliffhanger, right? Season end ended an adventure, but it didn't end any sort of story. This ended a story, it felt like. And so all of this, this whole season, when we look back on it as 16 parts, it's great to have, here's a little Boba Fett sprinkled in in episode five. Okay, here's a little more Boba Fett sprinkled in episode nine. Okay, now here it is a couple episodes later. Now we're actually going to get Boba Fett. Right. Like he's in there. And, you know, when you look at it, part five, part nine, part 12 or 13, whatever it is. Right. (laughs) 14, I think it is, because I think Ahsoka's 13. Um, That is so interesting that he's in there sort of from the beginning, if you really want to look at it that way, as part of this show. And I really, really like that. I really, really like that they're making him more of a character. So all of that I'm super excited about. Big fan. Well, in my opinion, okay, the way way I felt as a move beyond this is season three to me feels like so much of season two. Like if we remove the child from it, right. What's just Din going through is Din is going through an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, basically you have Boba Fett who's presenting one tradition of Mandalorians that isn't really his. He has his own that we watched all through season one. Never take off the mask. This is the way all that, you know, the covert and like how that fo- family functions and then we've seen the true mandalorians with bo katan and friends who like present yet another version of mandalore that he could has claimed to but is not necessarily part of and so i really feel that season three is the we're going to have the time away from gogu where it's just this guy and he's dealing with the fact of like he's irrevocably changed from the child and what does that mean for him as a person now yes and i'm expecting he'll get embroiled in mandalorian politics and what is going to happen with the dark saber what does it mean is he the mandalore he does not want to be the mandalore so what does that mean right um and i also think that i would expect that we're going to have some more character building for gideon because i guess i would love to see gideon sort of almost in prison kind of explaining what he did to the mandalorians what the siege of mandalore felt like and the night of a thousand tears right that's right and and how he's probably directly responsible for that and how that makes everyone hate him even more because i still think he's especially now that he survived this i still think he's the the show's big bad if you will yeah um so that's what i feel season three is going to be to be honest, my suspicion would be that season four would be reuniting with Grogu. Something causes him to go and meet up with Grogu. And yeah. that's where, like, I could see a skip. So you think skip. it's him seeking out Grogu, not Grogu seeking out him? I see it as, like, Grogu reaching out to him and him responding to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for it is because two reasons. One, 
I don't think my ear caught and got caught on the culmination thing. You're absolutely right. That is exactly what he says. And there's a part of me that's just like, right, but you wrote season two after you wrote season one. Like, I'm sure you have an arc, Mm -hmm. you know, Favreau and you have an arc in your head. Um, But you can't get me to believe that, like, you, you when you started season one, like, and season two is going to end with Luke Skywalker. We're already talking to Mark, right? Or, or like, oh, we're going to make a Boba Fett spinoff show because Tamara is so up for it. Like, no, the, the, season one had to be successful for you to get any lease to go further than you already did. Because obviously season two is a bigger production. Obviously now we have, you know, two shows directly branching out of this. And other shows like Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka are going to are, have been seated now yes. in this show. Yes. Like it is the start of a big umbrella of new content, but I have to admit, I don't want the comic book problem. Uh, when comic books would do big crossover events, it would always be like, if you want to read this, read X-Men 117. Oh, X-Men 117 leans into spectacular Spider-Man number 32. Like, and you had to go buy all these books you don't normally buy yeah. just to get the story. And I, I personally don't want Grogu to be in another show because I don't think this show is anything but Dinja Jarn and Son. Like, and so that story should be told in the frame of this mm-hmm. show to me because mm-hmm. anything other than that is getting markety. You know, well, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, that <laughs> is what Mac wants, so that is how it shall be, as Star Wars well, has been since after Rogue One. Well, because to me, the biggest thing about like what I, I, I've said it a million times about The Mandalorian. Yes, it is a serialized story. It is way more episodic than almost any other serialized story. I like that each episode is a story Mm -hmm. and that you can kind of watch them out of order and Mm -hmm. still get something. Whereas most serialized things are basically, you know, nine hour movies that are just cut into parts. Yes. Um, And I, I would, I don't want Star Wars to become Marvel (laughs) where like, if I missed Loki, I don't know what's going on in this new movie. And, but admittedly, I love that about Marvel. So if it happens in Star Wars, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, I'm done with Star Wars. Like, well, but isn't Star Wars always been that? If you miss episode four, do you really understand episode seven truly? Like, you I, I can don't... watch it, but do you really get it? Like, I, I, as a person who watched episode that, those may six... Those may have been the worst examples. Wait. As someone who watched episode six about 30 times before he ever saw another one, yeah. it works. I don't well, sure, but you entire- can also go see Shang-Chi without having seen any other Marvel, and it works. And real quick, and Shang-Chi is great because it is it does work, and yes. it is really good. Yes. I don't think you can go watch Avengers Endgame if you haven't seen Infinity War. That's true, but picking the crossover team-up movie as your example of that, I think, is unfair. But don't you think because Grogu- that is the exact specific purpose of that? But don't you think if Grogu shows up in another show, that's a big event? That's like a crossover event. Like if Grogu oh, shows sure. up in Ahsoka, don't well, you think that's part it depends. of? If he's a recurring character in Ahsoka, because it's Luke, Ahsoka, and Grogu on Adventures, then no. But I don't think that's what it would be because I don't. I don't necessarily think that. I think it would be again, like you're I, saying. It would be the stop of the week. Again, I think Marvel's done a really good job of bridging gaps and reminding you of information, yeah. but like I think you would be very lost watching like WandaVision if you didn't watch the Thor movies. Like when uh what's her face comes in, uh Scientist Lady. Um Darcy? Darcy. When Darcy comes in. If you even watch Thor, like I guess you could get it's just a weird quirky character and same with um 
uh, the guy from Ant-Man, the FBI agent. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could not know who they are and be fine, but like, obviously it's designed for people to know that stuff. So I guess what I'm just trying to say is I like Star Wars as episodic. And more mm-hmm. importantly, I like that Star Wars is about this story is happening over here and that story is happening over here. And it's a giant galaxy and not everyone's connected. Well, I do agree with that, but they really fight hard against that, it seems. Uh, but th- that's again. I mean, look at they look at this. They created Batu, yes. and everyone outside of hardcore fans. Oh, why would they do that? I just want to go to Hoth. Like they, people don't want new. People don't want like they right. want. How does Luke Skywalker connect to this? How right. do like? I, I mean, I and don't I agree with was, that, but that's what and it I think is. the sequel trilogy has taught us one thing. Well, it may feel have nice, a plan. No, no. Well, it may feel like good business to just fan service to your current audience. That's not how you grow an audience. Mm-hmm. And those people are going to die someday. So if you don't have young <laughs> people getting into this, like, again, I feel Disney knows that, like, Resistance was, like, way more important than Solo yeah. or Rogue One. Like, they just are. Because those movies are for you old fans. And you're great. And you keep buying licensed products. We love you. At the same time, we want Star Wars to be here 40 years from now. And you won't be. So we need to keep cultivating new and new kids. And as we transition to oh, talking yeah. about gallery, I love that they end with like Favreau and, and Dave all talk about the fact of like having Luke in the end of Mandalore is supposed to help connect that. Like I want, you know, dads and sons and moms and daughters to watch this and sure they might be getting something different out of it, but it connects all of them because Star Wars is a family show. It is meant to be the broadest audience possible because it's fables and myths and things we have been telling ourselves as humans since the dawn of verbal speech, you know. I absolutely agree about the broadest audience possible. I mean, that should be what Star Wars is always always going for. It should not be so violent that it excludes people or the topic should not be so dense that they, um, you know, I, I, I think a really good example of this in modern filmmaking uh, is The Matrix. I think the Matrix trilogy are three fantastic movies and maybe the most creative original thing to come out of Hollywood since that, like I say, in '99, Matrix was the new Star Wars. Of, I, I oh, mean, this must be how people felt in '77. Yes. Of this is something you've yes. never seen before. You can barely understand how it's possible, and it's yes. so dazzling to your senses and yes. your and making you think, yes. right? Because most people had never gotten like. There is no way to prove that I'm not in a simulation. This is terrifying. This is making me think and when I leave. Then the Matrix Reloaded comes out, and it's packed with lore, and it's all about a movie about being worried about your future choices, and it's dense with explanation and dialogue, and compared to the first one, it's a little bit slower, and it's a little bit more um, involved with, like, Mm -hmm. being inside the Matrix, right? And it's a very different movie from the first one. Sure. And a lot of people, I think, find it very, very interesting. I actually think it's my favorite of the three. Okay. But having said all of that, there are a lot of people who look at that from the outside in and go... Oh, that is that that's not for me. This isn't what the first one was. I'm not interested in it. And you have to have that universe. You have to build and have that creativity, like you're saying, to bring people in from all of these generations and to bring families in and to bring all ages, right? You have to have creativity. It can't just be violent for violence sake. Like you have to do something that is unique or interesting. And obviously, I mean, this should be obvious, right? But we had a scene of Kylo talking to Pipes in the finale of the biggest franchise of all time. So, like, some people don't have creativity, and it's fine. But, like, well, with Star Wars, that's 
I would also argue the That's other major we, thing with yeah. Rise of Skywalker that is, I think, why he's talking to Pipes um, is because if you have a great idea, let's green light it and go. If you don't have a great idea, let's not green light it and go. And I yes. think that Rise of the Skywalker was so screwed by the fact of Disney's entire business is relying on a tentpole this coming out at yeah. this time. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I think COVID taught us, like, as an industry, it's okay. You can delay it and it'll still be okay. Like, I hope so. I well, hope so. Well, what I mean is, I, I think that, like... I think Disney realized that our properties are strong enough that if we release Black Widow a year plus later than it's supposed to be, will it do as well? Well, obviously not. We've already, you know, depreciated value on it. We we had to pay the 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 checks without the box office money we were making from it, but it's still one of the most successful movies of this entire year and a perfectly successful movie. Is it mm-hmm. the same level as all the Marvel movies? Well, no. Shang-Chi says that when you get more theaters open, you make more money. Um, but at the same time, I, I think it got to a place where I think we can understand that if the movie's not ready, delaying it's okay. Oh, I completely agree. And I, and I hope that's where we're at. I mean, we've already heard like uh, initially, right? Mando season three was supposed to be right at the end of Book of Boba Fett. And then people said, well, the spring, you know, a month later or so. And now people are saying not till fall next year. So, you know, like, and that's fine. Take the time. And, you know, the point of all of this is the gallery and the Mandalorian and all of this stuff is. We're all very, very excited, I think, where Star Wars is going. Yes. Uh, we're very, very happy about where it is right now. And we just want to see that continue. I think we're all just a little in a place of the last seven years of Star Wars have been by the seat of our pants, right? Sure. All of a sudden, oh, they're, you know, the franchise is being bought. All of a sudden, there's going to be a new trilogy. All of a sudden, there are these anthology films. All of a sudden, we've gone through a dozen different directors for three movies. You know, it's like... All of these changes kept happening. And throughout all of this, you have, you know, the stewardship of a new franchise of films. And there has been a lot of people who have felt burned by certain things. And you know what? Hey, if you're one of those people, that that's totally fine. But I think we're all at a point now where we're all in agreement that we're really happy with where The Mandalorian ended. Mm-hmm. We're really happy with where it's going. And we feel that, you know we're optimistic about about Star Wars for the future. I know Mac, you know, there isn't much that causes you and I to not be optimistic about Star Wars, but I think we're in a place now where the fandom as a whole feels kind of as good as it has uh yeah. for a while. I and that and that's I very positive. I think you positive. still see the sutures, but I think the wound yeah. of the sequel trilogy is is sealed not healed yet, but is is on its is way. Scabbing over. Uh, if you're the people making clickbaity videos, like with stuff like "How dumb is Dave Filoni saying Ahsoka is more powerful than Luke?" You're what's wrong with the internet. Stop. <laughs> because one, that's not anywhere what he says. Well, but two, it's also probably true. So stop. Uh, uh, Just stop. Also, also last thing. They're fictional people, and they can be whatever they want to be yeah. based on the dramaton saturation yeah. around them at any given moment. Yeah. Just stop. Stop trying to cancel Dave but, Filoni saying but, he doesn't understand Star Wars and he's just a shill people, of George Lucas uh, they, for clicks. Wow. It's ridiculous. One of the most aware things I think that was said during Gallery, and I'm, I apologize, I don't remember who exactly said it, but was talking about in a world of bespoke content where everyone only wants content tailor-made for them. The fact the Mandalorian was able to cut across many, many swaths of demographics yeah. is rare. And I'm like, he's absolutely right. 
that is where we are right now is I don't want, um, I, I was talking to you pre pre-show. So there's the new He-Man show that came out on Netflix and I go, I don't know if we know who its audience is because the lead in audience is the kids who watch She-Ra, which probably aren't into a more heavy handed kind of brutal revamp of this 80s show. They have no connection to. Yeah. And it doesn't really reflect the animation, the style, the feelings that they had in the show that they're leading into. Right. And people in my brother's generation who's older than me, like, he wants He-Man to be validated. He wants the exact 80s show, but made in a mindset that he wants as, you know, a guy in his mid-40s. And I'm like, and I don't think there's enough an audience to justify that. And it doesn't matter because that's what we want. We want bespoke content. And some people like me get Mandalorian, which is bespoke content made for all the things in Star Wars I like in a in a stew. But most people don't get that. Most people have to deal with dealing with the fact of like, hey, this is maybe not for you. Well, why is anything mean not made for you? Well, despite your filter bubble of your social media and your YouTube, where you can find people who are much more in the same lane as you and think the same things as you, it doesn't actually make more of you. Doesn't represent the entire population. Correct. Oh, boy. Well, clearly, we have had a lot of thoughts oh, on Star Wars as a whole. So let's try and refocus on the gallery a little bit oh, here let's... And, uh, and, and try and talk about a few more things because there's the Plo Koon of it all. I thought Plo Koon was really funny that that was the code word they were using in the script and in all the production materials of coming yeah. back. And I love that the fact that the only reason that sells is because we all know Dave Filoni freaking loves Plo Koon. And I love like, that he addresses it. I love that he know He's like, oh, it's great. Well, the, especially because it's, it's like, oh, it's Plo Koon. I'm like, no, I saw Plo Koon die. Like, he's d dead, dead. <laughs> like, no coming back from Yeah, but everybody thinks Mace Windu's still alive, too. And he's also very dead. I agree. He got agree. shot out of a window. The Jedi are dead. There's a whole team of Inquisitors whose job it is to make sure. Do you so... think they'd miss Mace? <laughs> no. They went there and they found that some kid named Boba Fett standing next to him and shot him in the head just to be sure. Just to be sure. Um, oh, anyway, uh, the the um, the thing that was interesting about the gallery is I like this, but I would say almost half of it. I think I'm not going crazy i mean they're talking about luke and how how, how important that is but like i like they're basically like yeah we know you kids can make deep fakes at home okay it was hard okay we had to do it in secret the technology was like a few generations behind what you kids are using we know we know um because it was interesting to me as someone who is you know, my background's filmmaking. So like I've been aware of deepfakes for a long time because it's been a technology that's been growing and it's coming out of veins I've already seen in like video games where they're doing these AI upreses where the robot is putting information down that wasn't actually there, but it's making really, really, really good predictions on what should be there. Um, and the thing I thought was really interesting is their date their deepfakes looks really good. And you're like, yes, if they do this again, they're going to use deep fake technology because other than the the square, the mat line of where the deep fake ended and the actor's face was, other than cleaning that up, which I'm sure ILM is perfectly capable of doing, the fidelity was much better, even if the optical effect looks a little more off, mm -hmm. right? The emotions, the expressions were better than the de-aging that they actually ended up using just because deep fakes are creepy and awesome. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, 
And I like that they're like, well, we went with de-aging. And like, I'll be honest, I never really knew, oh, de-aging is just, oh, an incredibly painful process of basically Photoshopping every frame. Oh, no wonder it looks convincing. No wonder it's labor intensive and Disney's like the only company that does it because <laughs> they must have some good algorithms to help them because that sounds like a lot of that's up there with like well, didn't they Tron say they, one where they're cutting out all the circuit boards by hand. Don't they say they used a uh, a third party company for that for Ant-Man? They talked about it or whatever. Yeah. And they, well, yeah. I, well, it sounds like ILM was subcontracted. Yes. Is, yes, is yes, the yes. best way to put it because yes. the one guy was he said like. He's been with ILM since like, you know, Forrest Gump and stuff. And they've been doing this technology for a long time and it just keeps evolving. And I'm going to guess it just gets to the point where ILM has the tech and the technique and then they hire visual effects artists to do the work. Yeah. Um, which makes sense because ILM's got to be – ILM's gargantuan. And growing now. all the time. There's always job posting. So if you want to relocate, oh, yeah, I always say, am looking. Head out to Marin County or San Francisco. Mm-hmm, You're ready mm-hmm. to go. Um, Boy, it is nice out there. But I thought it was very interesting that I I don't want to say an apology, but it was it was just very much a like you look, look, yeah, when three months after our show comes out, you got a pretty good deep fake. Good for you, kid. <laughs> I would love to know when all of those interviews for gallery were shot, absolutely. To know if there was some like damage control element to it. I, um my my take on it is like, hey, they gave us what they thought was the best. And if some kid on TikTok can make one that he thinks looks better and people think it looks better, then that's great. And they should hire him. And that's exactly what they did. That's true. And so it worked out for everybody. And my opinion on it is, I guess, if we're going to keep doing this, if we're not just going to, for the love of God, recast, if we're going to keep trying to make people with computers, then fine. Let's make it look as good as possible. Hire as many people as you need to do. Put as many thought- man hours into it. But... God, just recast. So, so many of my favorite fun things about that uh, that gallery episode is just like the little things. Like, yeah, we had to hire a body double for Luke, but you can't put out a call for we need a body double for Luke. Right. So, like, I love the idea that they're just getting mug shots together and going like, eh, he kind of looks like Hamill. Eh, he's pretty close. <laughs> good, good height. Good size. All right. You're going to come in. You're going to be uh, reading for the role of uh, Cobb. Okay. Great. Oh, you did great. Come over here, kid. You're going to be Luke Skywalker. Because they said that you brought him in for another reading because they yeah. just wanted to get it, a vibe. Yeah. Can this kid handle it? Yeah. And in the end, they're like, we're hiring you for something completely different. And by the way, for like a year and a half, you cannot talk about it. All right, kid. You're here to play the crate dragon. No. Hey, let me hear your best role. Get down and Andy circus it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I also have to say, I think in the in the end, I have to admit, like, I think Mark Hamill's was kind of stunt casting in the sense of like, yeah, we brought him in to be on, on stage that day. I'm like, yeah, but you really didn't need to. You, you ended up using none of his footage. Like, it sounds like as an acting coach, that was his most important thing. But what do you mean? When they put him in the bubble and got all the shots of his face, wasn't that all? Well, that's because they went with de-aging. If you had just recast or something like that. Oh, like, well, sure. If you had just recast. Right. But here's my thing. Right. It, it, but in the end, and then the the thing that I thought was like Dave Favreau, just, I'm just Dave Favreau, I'm just making them one person now. Yeah. Uh, John Favreau, again, little things. He's like, yeah, and people are realizing how good these are because the voice was fake. Did you know that, internet? And I was like, ooh, clap, clap. Good job. And then Matt Wood, you know, the Brett Burke coming again, yeah. is just basically like, oh, yeah, we have this technology. We have for years. We keep working on it. Yeah. And we, we grabbed an audiobook Hamill did at the time, and we just yeah. put it in it, and I'm like, like, what audiobook is that? 
Did like Corvette Summers have an audiobook? <laughs> so the big question here is like with all of this deepfake stuff and all this technology, I do want to make it clear of like I do like seeing Mark Hamill on set. I do like having, you know, him giving the inflections for so whether how real or fake the performance, the voice, however real or fake, however you want to describe it, having him on set is a very interesting thing. Seeing well, him give the lines and also like you said, him giving the inflection, him doing oh. the hand gestures, even if you did have another actor there, that stuff is invaluable. The, the and thing, so it's great to see. Yeah, the line they said where like it's Mark Hamill teaching a younger version of himself how to be him. And like and that like I said, I think that's all very, very good. And I think there is some energy you get from having him on set. It it is just like Solo turned out great, and Harrison Ford, I don't even think, did a set visit. Like, it works. Right. We know these characters. And Mark Hamill originated... It, I guess the thing about it is, like, maybe this is doing too much theater stuff when I was in, like, high school and college. But, like, there's a concept called the originator, right? Mark Hamill originated the character of Luke Skywalker. Every Luke Skywalker... Anyone who ever plays Luke Skywalker, whether it's in a fan film or whether it's in an animated show or whatever, they're always going to be referencing. Right. Well, how far are you away from that origination? Like, how how close are you to that? Because that's what we think of as right. Right. Um, but my I I'm a theater kid in the sense of, but the character is bigger than one actor. You know, even in the origination, there's an understudy. Right. In case that actor gets sick, the show goes on like right. there is someone else who can do that job and they probably don't bring exactly the same thing. And that's a good thing. Think about the fact if Anakin Skywalker as a Jedi, if all we had was Hayden Christensen's, you know, how, you know, hour and a half of two and three. And that's it. What if we never had Matt Lantern's turn at Anakin? Think of how much more shallow of a character that person is without another actor bringing something in Completely and, agree, yeah. and adding it. We're um, on the same page with all this. I so think. so at the end of the day, I'm with you of like, just recast. We're smart. We can deal with it. If I can deal with the fact that Edward Norton used to be the Hulk and now he's not. And, yet, you know, Terrence Stamp used to be War Machine and now he's not. I, Terrence can, Howard. Terrence Howard. Terrence sorry. Stamp is someone different who is also in Star Wars. I would love to see him as. Yeah, he's that would dead, be really though. funny. Um, yeah, he'd make a good war machine. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm really mixing up names today. Um, it's okay. But like, we're smart, like you said. We, we're, we're, we're smart enough to figure this out. And like, things that like scare me from like a filmmaking perspective is like, great example is uh, Chadwick Boseman, who was. Black Panther, mm -hmm. amazing, absolutely knocked out of the park, amazing, mm -hmm. especially considering he was fighting cancer the whole time. You know, so he came to his cancer and he's no longer with us. And there's so much scuttlebutt that we're going to write out T'Challa. And I'm like, you, he's too important to the way the universe is. You, I understand if you want to walk away from the character and give that space because a lot of people don't want to deal with a recast. But don't write that character out just because their actor isn't here like like i don't want to see a solo be i can't make that movie why nah, the deep fake's not good enough to put harrison ford in that movie yeah but it's a really good movie we'll just get the character is bigger than yeah. a person yeah um also am i crazy so this during the during the part where they talked about the different techniques they can use right they showed um tarkin which is someone who mm -hmm. hasn't watched rogue one since it came out in theaters i went Man, that is pretty convincing. Pause, pause. 
yeah, but it's on screen too long. Even this little clip, like when he turns, I'm like, yeah. And then he stands there for a second. I'm like, yeah. And now I'm scrutinizing you too much, which admittedly, uh, something people should say, they talked about like all the mannerisms and all the things that go into tricking you into buying in that this is the person you're looking at. Uh, a big thing is the human face is ultra hard mode for VFX. Humans are so good at decoding faces, reading them, looking for subtle things, looking for emotion, looking for for blood blush response, all this kind of stuff that like it is the hardest thing you could ever do is create a fake person because people are so obvious to us. We can, I mean, gosh, we look at a bush and we can see a face in it. We look at like scrambled eggs, we see a face in it. Like we are designed to be face recognition machines. So I think it is something where that technology is going to get better and better and better and better and better. And it's always going to be one step behind our scrutiny. And we already have it, seen it get better and better and better. And hey, I mean, maybe next year when we're watching Mando season three, we'll be talking about how an episode or chapter 22 or whatever a new Luke Skywalker appearance and he was in the whole thing is all computer generated and it was perfect. So well, maybe that's where we'll be at. Who knows? And I think the the more you put it in the background, the less obvious it is. Um, of course. But I guess the, the whole thing about it is, is I, I'm with you with recasting. I want Luke Skywalker to be here when my great grandkids are watching Star Wars and there's still new stories about Luke being told. Yeah. And that means that we have to get beyond, you know, uh, the originating actor. Oh, oh, the thing I was going like when they were showing all the things, they showed Leia putting her face over top of a a body double to get a shot in Rise of Skywalker. I thought they swore in a Bible they were not going to digitally recreate her at all, but they did. Why didn't you just go the whole nine yards and write her character like they were originally written in Episode Nine, rather than these stunted like reblockings of shots just all to right, make? Let's yeah. not let's not go down that. The, the the episode nine. I Pat want Rise of everybody special was edition. emotionally on edge with Carrie Fisher and everyone made the decisions they thought were right at the time and we I was got just, the movie we got. I was just that like meme of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing the screen like oh 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 gotcha you did it you said you did it you did it <laughs> um it was and, and I guess actually now that I think about it I'm like I guess we knew that because she it, was in the movie. <laughs> Well, no. So that's young Leia was that where yeah. it's a de-aged version of her. I right. doubt she filmed the thing that would de-age her originally, right. but uh, I just thought it was funny. And and I think in certain veins it makes sense to recreate the character. And I think in certain veins, like with the age difference that Luke is supposed to be here six years after Jedi and where Mark Hamill is living right now, I think a recast was justified. Um. Whereas the entire sequel trilogy, yes, hire those actors. Right. They're the appropriate age for where right. the characters are. Right. Um, so uh, anyway. This was a great episode of Gallery. Uh, yes. I'm really, really glad they did it. Obviously, we had so much fun with season one of Gallery and season two. I actually haven't gone back and rewatched season two of Gallery, you know, the like 90 minute special that they put out, mm -hmm. but I should and then watch this subsequently after it. Um, I think there's one thing we both agree on for sure, and that's that we're very excited for the future of Star Wars Mandalorian yes. and television. And uh, hey, Rogue Squadron is uh, in production. Yeah. And who knows what that's going to be? Is it going to be a Michael Stackpole novel? Probably not. Is it going to be... Is it going to reference a Michael Stackpole series of novels? Probably. Probably. 
is it going to take place in the original trilogy? Is it going to take place in the New Republic? Is, is it going to Wedge take place Antilles, in the New Era? Who knows? Is Wedge Antilles going to be there, played by a new actor, or are they just going to deepfake him? Who knows? Will Snap Wexley be involved? Tune in next time for all these amazing questions answered and more. All right. Well, let's go. Uh, let's go talk about what's happening in Star Wars right after this. Let's do it. And another episode of Star Wars All In comes to a close. We talked about Gallery, we talked about Mandalorian, we talked about Boba Fett, we talked about quibbles and problems with the way that we're doing deep fakes and acting, and we went through all of it. It was fun. We did. It was a fun episode. It's good to be back, Mac. I know we had to take a week off uh, last week, and it is really great to be here with you again today. I'm really glad we got to talk about Mandalorian and talk about something that we're both... Uh, so passionate about and have so many feelings around it was a really really fun episode and i can't wait to do it again next week awesome well i got two things i just want to say as programming notes one Mm -hmm. we are at two years now yeah woo! yeah we had a a lot of it's been a busy busy week for me and a very harrowing week so i'm sorry we didn't have an episode last week if you're listening to this in real time um, but we last week would have celebrated our two-year anniversary of doing this stupid crazy thing so instead to celebrate we took a break Sort of. A, a vacation, yes. Eh, neither of us were really... Uh, no, no, I, yeah. I was working harder than I have in years. Um, yeah. but, but hey, we, we, we are recharged. We had a lot of energy coming into today. I've never seen Mac this awake at 8 a.m. to record an episode. So. Uh, not usually. No. Um, and then the second thing I want to talk about is, what were your thoughts on the new thing in Star Wars that's happened since we last talked of, the trailer for Star Wars Visions? You know what? I didn't watch it. Um, really? <laughs> so here's my thing about trailers. We've talked about this a little bit, and I, I've talked about it with some other people, too. Is like, if I'm already going to watch something, I'm kind of at a point now where I don't need to watch a trailer. Oh, so, okay. like, even, like, when like like when Dune came out, I knew I was going to go see Dune, okay. but I still wanted to see the trailer because I know so little about Dune, right? But, oh, like, okay. when the new Spider-Man trailer came out, I watched the first 30 seconds. It was like, yep, I'm in, and shut it off. And so basically, like, you're just like, it has Star Wars on the box. I'm gonna watch it. I don't yeah, need to watch I just, it. I wanna, I wanna know kind of if I don't know what I'm getting into, I want to watch a trailer. Well, but if I know what to expect or at least know what I'm buying, I want to see as little as possible. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, my kind of meditation on it is someone who's watched both it and the Japanese trailer, which was interesting to see both of them. Sure, uh, and also the difference in voice acting choices. Um, you can tell that Americans and Japanese have different ears. They, sure. they different characters belong in different registers of the human voice um i gotcha uh what's cool is i like that it's an anthology so this is sort of like star wars doing what gotham knight did with mm-hmm. batman or the animatrix did with the matrix uh the only thing i'll say about it is if you're an anime fan i think you're gonna really enjoy it if you're not an anime fan i think you're gonna find this is incredibly niche and pandering to anime fans because i think it is very much meant to be for anime creators in japan to have an adventure twisting everything of star wars to their Mm -hmm. sensibilities almost to the point that like it's almost too much anime it's too away from star wars as a place and i go 
that, but that's the point. The point that's is what, to yeah, make that's it what you want. It, it's, it's meant to be this sort yeah, of niche thing. I want thing. them to go all in. I don't want it to be a half effort. Where, um, but I think the thing about it is like, I, I, I will warn, I expect a lot of people who don't regularly watch anime will be like, what the heck's going on? It's like, it's, it's a vision. It's for funsies. Mm. It's the power of myth. It's don't al- take it so seriously. It's almost like, as we've talked about, that there are going to be different Star Wars for different people yes. as the universe becomes bigger. Absolutely. And we're all struggling with that in our own ways and we get it. But hey, it's okay. That's why we're here to talk about it. Right. And we will be able to talk about it even more as we go forward in time because I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.